0: We will look at our Lord this morning and learn what a Savior must be. When a woman is praying for a husband and she is waiting, she envisions what kind of man he should be. Is he patient? Is he gracious? Is he disciplined? Is he compassionate? Is he mature? If you're in need of a serious operation, brain tumor, heart transplant, there are certain qualities that you want in your surgeon. Does he have a steady hand? Does he have a sharp mind? If you're on the front lines in Donetsk, if you're in Mariupol, there are certain qualities that you want in a soldier beside you. Is he brave? Is he strong? Is he a good shot? There are certain qualities that you want in a savior. Certain qualities that someone who saves must have. If they are going to save you from sin, if they are going to save you from the wrath of God, if they are going to save you for all eternity, there must be specific and certain immutable qualities that that Savior has. And that is exactly what we see in this text this morning. What our Savior must be. We are going to look and to see as we gaze upon Jesus Christ, why he alone is the Savior of the world. Why he alone is the Savior of sinners. And our world is enamored with saviors. Million dollar movies about saviors. Big, strong, beautiful. What we see here, though, is something that the saviors of this world lack. The first quality that we need in a savior is what we see here in our Savior, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That first quality is compassion. A savior must be compassionate. Verse 40, back in Mark chapter 1, And a leper came to Jesus, pleading with him, and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I'm willing, to be cleansed." Now, I think most of us don't realize how shocking this whole section is. Because leprosy just isn't an issue. Especially here in Orange County. But if, if the text said that a man ran up to Jesus, and he had COVID, and he wasn't wearing a mask, and he wasn't vaccinated, we would begin maybe to understand. This man had leprosy. Being sick, and this time, it's bad. Being a leper is worse. Leprosy is a bacterial disease and it leads to nerve damage. And as I read up on this a little bit, what happens is that nerve damage, whatever aspect of your body it's in, can be in your ears, your nose, your face, your hands, your fingers, your legs, and your toes, because of that nerve damage, you don't know when you've damaged other parts of your body. You step on a nail, for example, you don't know it's there. And so you could go some time with a rusty nail on your foot, which leads to some infection, which makes things even worse. I was reading up on a man who ministered to lepers, spent his life ministering. He was a believing man and spent his life ministering to lepers and helping them. And he was helping one man who had recently gone blind. His his eyesight was getting worse and worse and worse. He could not figure out what had happened, and he went blind. And he spoke with him for a long time, and they finally realized what had happened. Because the man's hands were dead from nerves, he would put him in scalding water, and he was putting scalding water in his eyes. And as he did that every day, he was damaging his own eyes until he went blind. And so it's it's a horrible disease. And you can understand why, if if a leper just comes into your midst, I mean, if we're that afraid of COVID, what happens when a leper comes and stands next to you? And so this man that comes to Jesus, he's a leper. And it's said, oftentimes, you could smell a leper before you saw him. Because his body's literally rotting. Parts of his body are rotting. Sometimes his nose has fallen off. His ears have fallen off. He's missing fingers. He has gangrene. In modern terms, he was a zombie. He's the walking dead. It's a physical problem. And it's not only a physical problem, it's it's a spiritual problem. Because for the Jews... If you had leprosy, it was often considered as punishment from God. Leprosy was used by God in the Old Testament as a visible sign of his judgment and anger at rebellious sinners. So you remember God punished Miriam with leprosy, white as snow. You remember also Gehazi's greed, Elisha's servant. Elisha cursed him with Naaman's leprosy. Remember the story of Uzziah who was a great king and became very, very proud over his accomplishments, and he entered into the holy place, thinking that he could approach God. And God struck him with leprosy. 2 Chronicles 26, 21 says, King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. So to the Jews, a leper is physically contagious. He's spiritually contagious. You've got physical pain. You've got spiritual pain. You've got emotional pain now, because if you're a leper, you're you're cut off from everybody. You're cut off from society. If you're a leper, you're you're. I don't want to just say I don't want to say you're shunned. It's not that the parents stop loving their children, but you you just have to be removed from society. And you would be placed in a colony with other lepers like you. Cut off from your family. No no, no hugs from your mom. No father to embrace you, to remind you of his love for you. You're surrounded by people that are dying of the same thing that you're dying of. You're watching your friends. They're rotting in front of you. It's a horrible disease. And so when this man came forward... I think we need to understand that the crowd pulled back. They stepped away when this man stepped forward. And I think it's possible that people were probably angry. I mean, people are ready to go full Karen on this guy that comes into their midst. He's sick, he's diseased, and he's threatening the health and the well-being of other people. They're ready to stone him, perhaps. And I think we need to understand that when this guy came to Jesus, this is a bold and yet terrifying move. He does not know what people are going to do. He does not know if he's even going to be able to make it there before someone just knocks him down and they drag him out of the city or whatnot. He goes forward to Jesus Christ in the midst of the assembly, just desperate. And he's terrified. And he's begging for his life. And what does he say? If you are willing, you can make me clean. The quality that we see in Jesus here is the reason, brothers and sisters, why why we're here this morning. Not just because God is sovereign. Not just because God is righteous. But because our God is compassionate. Compassionate. It says here that Jesus was moved with compassion. Instead of rebuking him for his selfishness, instead of rebuking him for, for the danger he's putting others in, Jesus Christ's heart is moved towards this man. You've heard this word explained numerous times, this very peculiar, colorful word, this, the splachnon, the, the bowels, the, the innards of the man. It's, this, it's a visceral response that Jesus has as he looks upon this man. It's the same word when he looked upon the multitudes. It says he felt felt compassion towards the multitudes for they were like sheep without a shepherd. His heart was broken. And his compassion moved him, verse 41 shows us, and moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and he touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. So again, this is, this is shocking. He touches this man that no one certainly would have even wanted to stand next to. Why? Because Jesus Christ is compassionate. I think there's anything that I need to understand as a mid-40s guy. I need to understand more and more and more the compassion of Jesus Christ. He wept at Jesus, he wept at Lazarus' grave. His heart was broken as he contemplated the destruction of Jerusalem. And when he saw those thousands oppressed by Rome, sitting under false teaching, he was moved with compassion. And brothers and sisters, this is the kind of savior that we need. Because I I stand here, Pastor Marcus but I know who I am. I know my struggles. I know what is in me still. I know my flesh. It is God's grace to me that you don't really know me. Because if you did, you probably wouldn't want to hear me preach. And it is God's grace to me that I don't really, truly, utterly know you. Because I probably wouldn't want to preach to you. Brothers and sisters, we are all in desperate need of compassion. We are all desperately in need of a God who not only looks into the core of our being and knows who we are, but is moved not with just rage and anger and hostility, but he's moved with compassion and kindness and grace towards us. Jesus Christ's heart breaks when he looks upon sinners. His heart is moved with compassion when he looks upon us, but that's not enough. It is not enough to be moved with compassion. What else must our Savior be? He must be willing. He must be willing. And the lepers, that's why he says, If you are willing, I put my life at risk. I know what I'm doing is utterly stupid, but I'm so desperate. And if you are willing, because a Savior must be willing, we live in a world that is marked by by callous people, people that have the means to help others and they will not do it. We live in a world of of abuse. We hear all the time of, of, of men, husbands, and fathers, and they use their authority and their power to abuse. And we look at governments and they use their authority and power. These men in power, what do they do? They use their authority, they use their power for themselves. Here is the most powerful man in the universe. And this man asks, are you willing? I think it's phenomenal. He's not annoyed. I and mean, this is just one snippet. John tells us if if all that Christ did was written, it would just take up books and books and books. This is, this is happening perpetually. People coming up to Christ. Another one, another one, another one, another one. And, and I would just finally say, I'm done. Enough. He just keeps going, he just keeps serving, he just keeps <laughs> pouring forth compassion and mercy, healing people. And here he is. He's willing. He wants to serve this man. He's compassionate and he's willing, but that's not enough. That's not enough. You can be compassionate, you can be willing, but there is something else that is utterly necessary if you are to be the Savior of the world. What is it? You must be what? You must be able you must be able. Because the history of our world is really the history of inability, the inability to prevent war, the inability to bring about peace, the inability to fix marriage, the inability to save others, the inability, your inability, my inability, what to save ourselves. Man is unable And this man comes and he says, if you are willing, you can what? You can make me clean. And moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and he touched him. And he said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And I think all the effects of that disease, all of the carnage of that man's body was healed. And notice, it doesn't say, though, that he was healed. It says he was cleansed. Old Testament, New Testament, it never says, it never speaks of men being healed from leprosy, but always cleansed from leprosy. Because under Old Testament, this man was unclean. In fact, when he, when he came into the midst, he, he should have announced himself, he should have cried out unclean, 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 so that so they had time to get back away from his uncleanness. Because he was defiled physically, and he was defiled spiritually. And so when Jesus says that this man's cleansed, he means more than just that he's been healed. This man's entire status now has changed. Not only is he no longer rotting, not, not only is he no longer toxic, but he's been restored to the fellowship. He's been restored to his people. He can go back to his wife, to his children, to his, to his synagogue, to his people. He can be with them. his in, Brothers and sisters, this, his entire life was utterly changed by this act of Jesus Christ. This entire man's life was over the point he got leprosy. And when he, when he was cleansed, his entire life was restored to him. His entire future was changed. And now he's able to work again, to, to support his family again, to raise his kids again. His life being changed changed everyone else around him. It's, it's a radical event that's taking place here. This man is cleansed, he's purified, he's new. And that's not the main reason why this text is here. It's not so we just know another, another story about Jesus Christ and what he did for lepers. This story speaks to our own day because the similarities between sin and leprosy are many. Just as the leper is often unaware of how his disease is destroying him, the sinner is often unaware of how sin is destroying him. Going on in his sin and his lying and his greed and his laziness and his lust and his denial of God and, and, and the thinking just think this has no consequence to me. Religion is, is meaningless to me. I don't need it. My atheism is just mine, it's mine alone, it has no consequence to my life. Unaware that he is heading towards, he's being hurled towards eternity without Christ. Thinking that that his unbelief and his sin is is, is inconsequential to his life. And so he goes on. And his conscience no longer fills the, the, the uncleanliness. And his soul no longer fills the weight of his guilt. He no longer sheds any tears over his sin. The nerve endings of his heart are dead. And like the leper, the sinner is cut off, cut off from God. Cut off from fellowship with him, cut off from God's presence, spiritually dead. He does not know God, he cannot feel God, he does not know God's joy in his soul. He cannot know that God is all good and all satisfying. And not only is he cut off from God, but he is cut off often from other sinners, as his own sin damages relationships around him. His marriages are destroyed his families are ruined because sin is deadly and like the leper sinners are without hope they can't stop sinning they can't remove their guilt they cannot save themselves brothers and sisters <laughs> one of the one of the greatest gifts an initial Gift of God is conviction to fill sin, for the conscience to be pricked, for the mind to be alert, for the soul to fill the weight and the guilt of sin. If you are a believer, you went through that. Every single one of us, when you're, you're living life, everything's fine. You're doing what you want to do. You're living your best life now. And all of a sudden, the spirit starts working. Your friend shares the gospel with you. Someone drags you to church. You, you hear the gospel. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, a, a boulder is dropped upon you as the weight of sin is placed upon you. And you fill it in your conscience. That's good. You must be convicted. You must know that you're a leper if you're going to be saved and cleansed. But conviction is not enough. Because then you ask the question, who can help me? There are a lot of people out there feeling the weight of sin, feeling conviction, feeling their guilt. And they're asking, who can help me? And they're looking. And they're turning to Buddhism. They're turning to Hinduism. They're turning to New Ageism. We were in Sedona last week at this little church, and we met a 35-year-old, there was this young couple, they were 35 years old. They were new-age teachers, very prevalent in the, in the Sedona, and in that teaching, YouTube, all this stuff. And sin destroyed them, destroyed their marriage. They got divorced. Apart from any contact, God saved both of them. And now they're going through marriage counseling, and they're going to be married next week or next month. But sin, it destroys. And you start looking for salvation. And people look for it, and they look for it, and they cannot find it. Who can help me? Who can cleanse me? Who can remove my guilt and my shame at the deepest level? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we know the answer. It's, it's right here. It's standing right here before us in this text. Jesus Christ. He touched this man. A question we have to ask as we study the text is, why? Why did he touch him? Why didn't he just say, be cleansed? Why? Because he could have. In other situations, he does. But why did he purposefully touch this man in front of everybody else? I think it's because his ministry was personal. Personal. Or if I could put it another way, because salvation is personal. Cleansing is personal. Brothers and sisters, Jesus did not, just listen to me for a minute. Jesus did not just look at you and say, be cleansed. Jesus Christ, he went to the cross for you. I'm not talking to all of you. I'm talking to each and every one of you. Jesus Christ, he went to the cross personally. And he took your sins upon his body. And he faced the wrath of God. He took your your shame. He took your, your guilt. He took your secret evil. He took your public evil. He took your deepest evil. Everything that he knew about me and knows about me and knew about you and knows about you, he took that personally upon himself. It's why Paul says in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who what? Tell me please. Who loved me and he gave himself up for who? Paul says for me. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ touched this man because salvation is personal. It is utterly personal at the deepest level, at the core of your being. He he reached in. He he took your sin upon himself. And he, he faced the wrath of God. And what did he give you? Not just some righteousness. His righteousness. And he made you new into whose image? His own. Because salvation is utterly personal. And he has not just given you any spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ. Salvation is so utterly personal. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ, he came down from heaven to earth for us. When the angels heard this, there must have almost been a riot, that the, our king is going to leave. Like, that's not, that's not possible. He sits at the right hand of the Father. We, we bow down before him. We worship him. We bask in his glory. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, and, and he's going to go down where? He's going to go down to that pit. He's going to go down to those sinners. And I like to think that there must have been almost a riot, and that they said, no, no, you're not going. You cannot go. We'll go. We'll go down there. We'll, we'll do what needs to be done. We'll, we'll go down there and, and minister to them. We'll go save those poor sinners. And Christ said to them, are you compassionate? Are you moved by their plight? And they said, yes. And he said, are you willing? Are you willing to go? Are you truly willing to leave everything and to go down there and minister to those poor sinners? And they said, yes. And then what did he ask? But are you able... Are you able to take their sins upon yourself? Are you able to enter the Holy of Holies in the face of God with their sins and pay and extinguish the Father's wrath? Are you able to rise from the dead? That's what there was. Just what we hear now. Utter silence. Their mouths were shut. They said no word, but wept because there was only one who is able. Brothers and sisters, there is only one who is able to save, who is able to purify, who is able to sanctify, who is able to cleanse you from your sin, who is able to save you for all of eternity. Joshua was saying this yesterday. And I think there's a reason why we we preach the gospel at church over and over and over and over, because the fact of the matter is there are always people that think that they can be saved by their religion, that they put their trust in their baptism, they they put their trust in their Bible knowledge, they put their trust in their service and in their ministry, they put their trust in what they do, and they begin to think that because of their external work that they're right with God. Brothers and sisters, and you here that may not be yet a brother or a sister, only Jesus Christ can save you. Only he can change you at the deepest level. Only he can reach into the depths of your heart and remove your ungodliness and your unholiness. Only he can reach in and instill in you a new heart and a new mind. You cannot cleanse your heart, but he can. You cannot purify your soul, but he can. You cannot cause yourself to be born again, but he can. You cannot justify yourself before a holy God, but he can. If you were called to pay for your sin, if you were called to go to the cross to pay for your sin, Brothers and sisters, how long would you remain there? How long would you have to, to stay upon that cross? How long would you have to hang there upon those nails? How long would you have to endure the Father's wrath for your sin? Jesus Christ personally went to the cross hung on the cross for six hours. In three of those hours, the wrath of God was poured upon. In three hours, He quenched the wrath of the Father that would have been poured out upon you for all of eternity. And brothers and sisters, when He reached in and when He changed you, He changed you for all eternity. Not for five minutes, not for five weeks or five years, 50 years your entire eternity has been changed because Jesus Christ is compassionate because Jesus Christ is willing and because Jesus Christ is able to save sinners so I must ask do you know this Christ I see little children here it is a great joy to see Little children sitting in the in 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 big church worshiping God together. Little children, I want to tell you something. You need a Savior. You need to be saved. Your mom and dad are here as believers and are saved because they were in our sinners. They needed Jesus, and so do you. And I want to tell you that you you can be saved. Joshua told us yesterday God saved him at a very young age. Peter Smith says that he was five years old when God saved him. He was five years old when he knew he was sinful. He was five years old when he knew he was a rebel against God, that he loved himself, he loved the world, he loved pleasure, and he one day went to God, he went to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, save me. You can be three, you can be four, you can be five, and praise God, you can be 50, but you need a Savior. And the only one who can save you, the only one who can cleanse you, and the only one who wants to, to be honest, is Jesus Christ. Go to him. Don't wait. If, if, if we talked about earlier, if that weight of sin, if you feel it right now, if you feel the conviction, if you feel the guilt, if you feel the shame, I beg of you, just go to him now. You don't have to leave the room. You don't have to do anything. You just sit there and you cry out to him right now. You go to him and you say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a leprous sinner. I cannot change myself. I cannot save myself. I cannot reconcile myself to God. But you are willing and you are able to cleanse me and he will do it. And you, brothers and sisters, just a few closing questions. How, how do you live? Who is Jesus Christ to you? I know you believe he's powerful. I know that you you believe that he is a mighty Savior. But do you really believe that he is compassionate? Do you know (laughs) that he knows how sinful you are this morning? He knows how unfaithful you are. He knows how much you waver. He knows how much you doubt. He knows all that is there, all the struggles you're going through. He knows even more about you, far more about you than, than you do. And do you know what? You know what his disposition is towards you this morning? His loving kindness and compassion. He loves you. And some of you live as his, Jesus is able, but he's not willing. And some of you live as if Jesus is willing, but he's not able. And I am here this morning to remind you, brothers and sisters, that's not true. If he allows you to endure suffering and trials and whatever it is that you're going through, it is exactly what Hyun said this morning, is because he is good. And I want to tell you this morning... At some point, at some point in your life, whether in the midst of it or at the very end of it, he is going to touch you in a way that you will be fully, completely transformed into his likeness. And every trial and every burden will make sense as you are perfectly conformed personally to the image of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your compassion towards sinners. And we thank you so much that you are not just simply willing, that you are able to bear upon your body our sin and our shame, and that you were able to justify us completely, that you didn't, just, you didn't leave some sin, you didn't leave a thousand years of purgatory for us to finish it off. No, you cried out on that cross, it is finished and you paid for all of it, and you saved to the utmost. Lord, we pray that you would help us to cling to you, and we remember who you are, and we pray that, God, you would also instill the heart of your Son in us as well, that we would be compassionate as well, and that our hearts would break over lost sinners and break around us, break uh, for, for the needs of those around us, and that you would use us for your glory, and we pray all this in Jesus' name.